So last week we talked about some lessons about the test, but today I want to talk about why a test in the first place. What, what's even the purpose of the test? You know, the reason a teacher tests you is to see if you're learning or if you know the information. So they, they will teach, they will teach, and then you take a test to find out if you're progressing. Are you learning the information or are you, are you comprehending it? Well, I got to thinking this week, you know, God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. So he knows what I know. So then he would know if I know it or if I don't know it. So I really should be exempt from the test, right? How many would just say you like to be exempt from the test? Just raise your hand. Like this one would be done. Not just this one. How about all of them? I want to be exempt from, you know I don't know it. So could we just move on to something else? But you know, God's ways are not our ways. And God's thoughts are not our thoughts. As a matter of fact, they're higher than ours. The Bible says they're so much higher. They're higher than the heavens. And so he does not test for the same reasons that we do. The Apostle James and the Apostle Peter both give great insight on why we're testing. I'm going to be reading why we're testing. I'm going to be reading from James 1 and then 1 Peter 1 as well, if you want to get there. James 1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I want to stop right there. Because there were some of you last week that kind of had some questions on, well, if I'm being tested, does God test me? Does the enemy test me? And there's a whole, we could get into a lot of stuff about that. But what I want to tell you today is according to James, it's not as much about you being tested as it is your faith being tested. The tests that we're put through are not really about God being mean to us. The Bible does tell us that he disciplines the children that he loves. So there are the, but it's really about him, him getting to a place to see how strong our faith really is. So don't take it personal. It's not about you being tested. It's about your faith being tested. First Peter one and six says this, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. First of all, do you just love that the Apostle Peter says that our faith is more precious than gold? How many of you would agree right there at home, just give me a head nod or a good amen, if you agree that in this moment that we're in, the faith that we're holding on to is more precious than anything we have. I do not know how people make it through loss and tragedy and sickness and defeat without having some kind of faith to hold on to. It's precious. And it says, it goes on to say this, though it is tested by fire, it may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith is tested as if by fire. Why? To make sure it is genuine. Why does God test our faith? James tells us, the apostle Peter tells us, Tells us so that it can be strengthened. God tests our faith so it can be strengthened, so it can grow. What does it mean to have strong faith? Some people think if you perform miracles, you have uh, strong faith. Some, Some people think if you've lived for God a long time, you have strong faith. But the word strong faith really means mature faith. It means grown up faith. Just say that with me. Say grown up faith. Even the choo-choo train is amen to me right now. Come on, say grown-up faith. So trials come to strengthen our faith. So in other words, listen to this. During our trouble, during troublesome times, 
our faith should not diminish, it should grow. Because I've talked to some people that during this trouble time, they start questioning and worrying. That is not why God sends tests and trials and tribulations. God sends or allows those things to happen in our life so that our faith would grow. So let me say it one more time. They're going to bring it on the screen. During troubles, our faith should not diminish. Our faith should grow. Let me explain to you what it means to grow your faith, all right? Let's talk about what does that mean, because you hear that a lot. You know, I want to grow my faith. I want to grow my walk with the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Let me, let me break it down to you. First of all, everyone that has ever been born has faith. Everybody has faith. Okay. Even if you don't believe in God, you still have faith. Matter of fact, faith is not that hard, because we all want to believe, amen? Sure. It's natural in us to want to believe. Let me give you an example. When you woke up this morning, whether you're a believer or not a believer, you were full of faith. You had faith that when you flipped the switch, the light would come on. You had faith that when you turned the faucet, the water would come out. You had faith that that kettle would boil you some water or that coffee maker would make you some coffee. You had faith that your car would start. You see what I'm saying? Everybody has faith. Matter of fact, Romans tells us that everyone is born with faith. Romans 12 and 3 says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A measure. Every single person that's ever born, they are born with a measure of faith from God. This kind of faith is what I call baby faith. The Bible tells us that faith, this kind of faith, is so small, it's like the grain of a mustard seed. And the grain of a mustard seed is, is almost invisible. You can really barely see it. This is the kind of faith that God gives to every single person. You ever read the scripture? Well, Jesus will be talking to someone and he'll say, Oh, you of great faith. Or to someone, Oh, you of little faith. Sure. He will say, You got great faith, you got little faith. And then what you find is whichever one you have determines the outcome of that circumstance right then. Okay. Everyone is given the same amount of faith. But I believe today that I'm talking to some folks that want to grow and strengthen your faith. I believe I'm talking to some people that want some mature faith. Come on, if you want some mature faith, nudge your neighbor and say, I want to grow up. Tell them, nudge the dog, the cat. Come on, nudge your camel, whatever it is. What you got in the house? I want to grow up. Look at the verse, verse 1 of the faith chapter. And I, I read this scripture. I don't know if you're following, but on uh, every, every weekday I'm doing a daily Bible, a Bible reading. And uh, this week I read Hebrews 11, which is one of, my favorite, one of my favorite chapters. And it's called the faith chapter. Watch what the scripture says here. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now I want you to leave that scripture up for me. While I go for just a little bit, okay? The substance, something I can touch, substance of things hoped for, something I can't touch. Because Paul said, once you, once you see what you hope for, it ceases to be faith at all. So they're, they're separate. So substance, I can touch this right here. This is substance. But then it's, then it's of things hoped for. Then it's evidence. I've got evidence. I'm, it's written here. Evidence of things not seen. So they're, they're opposites of each other. Here's where I want us to go over the ne- next several weeks in this series. I want us to go from things hoped for to substance. Okay. Yeah. 
I want us to go from things not seen to evidence. I want us to go from the intangible to the touchable. I want us to go from the promise to the promised land. Listen, Hills family, I am believing for miracles. I've been praying this every single day, and I've been telling our staff and all of our leaders, I am believing for miracles to come out of this. Not just when we get on the other side, but in the middle. I'm talking about not uh, maybe, no, I'm talking about documented miracles where people are healed, set free, debts are paid off, I want doc, I'm believing for that. Yes. And, I, and the only way we're going to see that kind of stuff is if we can get out of a baby faith, get out of an adolescent faith. We've got to grow up as believers. Okay. Come on. So how do we get there? Man, I'm yelling on a Sunday morning. Help me. How, how, do we, how do we get there? I believe, and I believe the Scripture supports, that there is a process for us to get to grown-up faith. This is what we're going to be leaning in over the next several weeks. Maybe you've never heard it taught this way. I had never heard it taught this way. I felt like it was a, 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 an illumination that God gave me. So here are what I believe are the four phases to grown-up faith. First of all, there's belief. Number one is belief. The second phase is trust. The next phase is hope. And then finally, we start living a life of faith. So belief, trust hope, and faith. So be patient with me over the next several weeks, okay? So now that I've set that up, I want to I talk about the word belief. Belief. Belief is a foundation for Christianity. That, it's how it all starts. It all starts with believing. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that, he, that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. If you even want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to believe that he exists and believe that he rewards those. So let's talk about that believing that he exists. You have to begin right here. You know, we've got some brilliant minds on our staff, and we have two that are incredibly brilliant, and they have an, an engineering mind and a scientific mind, uh, Pastor Jared and Pastor Jordan. And this week I asked them, will they help me do some research uh, on this? And they sent me back some incredible stuff, and I want to share some of it with you today. First of all, I want to start by saying this. The complexity of our universe, the complexity of our planet, the complexity of the human body points to a deliberate designer. Yes, There's just no way to get away from it. First of all, our universe. You know, the Big Bang Theory states that there was an instantaneous explosion of both light and matter. The odds that this explosion would result in non-living matter that would evolve into intelligent life is highly improbable. How improbable, you ask? Well, let me tell you, the renowned mathematician Roger Penrose estimated that the probability of the emergence of a life-giving cosmos, you, here's how you would do it. You would have to divide 1 by 10 and then take that to the 10th power and then raise that again to the 123rd power. Now, I'm from Mississippi. We don't do a lot of math. But I know that that's a very small chance. Matter of fact, Pastor Jared said this, that's as close to zero as a number can be without being zero. That there would just be this explosion of non-living matter and then it would all evolve. Listen Listen what we found out. You would be more likely to have won the mega millions every day for more days than the university has existed. Every single day you would have to win the mega millions for this to happen. That's our universe. Let's talk about our planet. 
Think about an instantaneous explosion, absolute chaos, like not, just so random that leads to a planet that is so rule-abiding, that is so orderly, that is so reliable. Think about the law of gravity, the water cycle, the law of energy. Our planet plays by such reliable rules. Why? It screams of a creator. Someone that knew what it needed. And then there's the human body. Our brain processes roughly one million messages per second. One million messages per second. Colors and objects around you, breathing, twitching your leg, moving your hand, hunger, feelings, thoughts, intelligent reasoning, all at once without you having to think about each one individually. That's the power of the brain. The eye can automatically focus and refocus. It can perceive seven million different colors. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there is no way that a brain or an eye evolved perfectly to this amazing organism from a non-living particle of matter. You know, when I think about it that way, I think that it's pretty easy to believe that he exists. That's the first step. You have to believe that he exists. And look, for some people, it's harder for you to believe. Others believe right away. But whatever you've got to do, if you've got to research, you've got to dig it out. Come on, Jesus isn't scared of you finding out the truth. So dig it out. Research it. You don't have to push science and your relationship with God away from each other. They will confirm one another. So first of all, you've got to believe that He exists. And then secondly, He says, you must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. And I think this is a big part of this. You can't just believe that He exists, but you've got to believe that He rewards people that seek after Him. Yeah. You know why you need to believe this? Because if you don't believe this, you won't seek Him. Yeah. And God, above everything, wants to be sought after. Yeah. That's what worship is really all about. Let me ask you a question. Are you seeking Him during this time? There is no better time than right now to seek after Him. Some of you have more time than you've ever had. Use some of that time to to seek after Him. Some of you have more pressure than you've ever had. Take that pressure to Him. Seek after the one that can bring you comfort. And then at some point, your belief... Now listen to this. This is important. Look right in the camera. At some point, your belief must grow from believing there is a God to believing in God. And there is a big difference. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You ever thought about this? When you believe in someone, you don't just believe they exist. You are putting your faith in them. When I look at my wife and say, I believe in you, When my boys look at me and say, Dad, we believe in you. What they're saying is, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm pushing all the chips to the middle of the table. You're the one I'm with. The word believe in John 3, 16, when you look it up to its original root word, listen to this, the word word believe means to commit. To commit. Like, I believe in you so much, I'm going to commit everything I have to you. I want to encourage you this morning or whenever you're watching this, I want to encourage you to commit to him today. What does that mean? That means you give him everything you have. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. 
That means you love him with everything you have. You give him everything you have. And then you, you accept everything that he has for you. Well, how do I do that? First of all, you declare with your mouth and you believe with all of your essence that he is God. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, then you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. I want you to believe today. You know, maybe you've never even stepped in a church before. Maybe this is your first time to ever hear anything like this. You've never been around a church like this where we worship like we do and, and they let some crazy guy get on the camera. But I want to encourage you today. Believe. Believe today. Some of you need to believe again today. You, you, you believe, but man, your, your faith has been shaken and the tests and the trials come and, and you wonder, God, why would this ever happen? Now I hope you understand. It's because he wants to strengthen your faith and that faith journey starts with believing. I want you to believe for your salvation today. I want you to, to believe for your freedom today, to believe for your healing today. I want you to believe for your promises today. I want you to believe for your future today. I want you to believe for your family today. I want you to start today. Start believing. And then for some of you, don't stop believing. And no, I'm not going to burst into song right now, but I could. Don't stop believing in these tough times. Keep putting your faith in Him because He's strengthening your faith day by day by day. I hope you receive this word, and I hope you feel it like we feel it here in the studio. Come on, family. Can you feel it here in the Come studio? On, Thank you, Jesus. God is so good, and he's reaching for you right now. Wherever you are, he's coming after you. He loves you so much, and he knows the only way he can give you everything he has for you is for you to give him everything that you have, for you to believe in him, to commit to him. So let me pray today. Lord, I thank you so much for this moment. I thank you for visiting us here in the studio, God. I thank you. You are such a good God. You're such a great God. You love us, God, even when we feel unlovable. You have faith in us when we don't have faith in you and barely have faith in ourselves. I thank you, Lord, that you keep on pressing. I thank you. And God, I thank you that you allow tests to come in my life. I don't like them in the middle of it, but I'm trying to be joyful, God, because I know that it's going to produce perseverance in my life. It's going to strengthen me as a man of God. I pray, Lord, that those that are walking through tough times right now, God, those that have lost their jobs and been furloughed, God, and, and those, God, that are trying to homeschool kids and, and, and all, everything, the pressure and everything that's going on, that, God, you would breathe sweet peace on them right now. Let them even right now just feel your presence in that living room, God. That laying in the bed, watching this on an iPhone. I don't know where you are, but I, I, wanna, I want you to feel the peace of God just resonate with you right now. I thank you for that. And for those that are watching that need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, I hope I've laid it out for you. And I'm praying for those of you, you may not live in Nashville, you, I don't know where you live, but I want you right now to accept Him as your Lord, to commit your life to Him. There is no better life than this. But what if I get to the end and I realize that it was all a lie? Let me tell you this. I would still live the life I'm living right now. I am committing my life to Him. Why don't you do the same today? Well, how do I do it? I read it a moment ago. All you have to do is believe in your heart and declare it with your mouth. And for those of you that maybe you used to have a relationship with Jesus, but now it's lukewarm and cold, why don't you reignite it today by placing your faith in Him? What else are you going to place your faith in? 
If that's you today, I want you to join me in this prayer. Come on, those of you here in the studio, pray it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it is a two-edged sword that does surgery on us. I thank you, Lord, that you have performed surgery on my heart today. Forgive me for the life I've lived, for not believing in you, for putting my faith in other things. Today, I'm putting my faith in you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead and that you're going to reward me for coming after you. I pray you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, cover me with your grace, and let me live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, here in the studio and there at home, everybody say amen. Amen. Let's celebrate today with these folks that prayed this prayer today. Amen. Amen.